0: I don't know exactly what it all means, but God, it feels real. I think that Belita knows, we lied to her. If she's going where this thing's leading her, she's in danger. I want to know everything. Freedom, now that I'm tasting it, I see what I was robbed of. I
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Lovecraft Aftermath. This is the Carefree Black Nerd show discussing HBO, Matt Ruff, Misha Green, J.J. Abrams, Jordan Peele's d- d- melanated horror science fiction afrofuturistic show Lovecraft Country. <laughs> I am your host, Rain Coleman, and I have a very special guest with me today. Please come on the mic and let everyone know who's joining me for this conversation.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Hannah
1: Mae. <laughs> well, hello, Hannah Mae. Hannah Mae will be joining us for this. I am. Oh, man. Okay, so, first things first. I did not find a synopsis for this episode when I was, like, getting the the tweeting stuff together. So, I kind of came up with my own, which is pretty much... We're going to see Hippolyta centered in this episode going through a journey of self-exploration. And I'd like to think that's pretty much what we got this episode. Um... When you're listening to this episode and when you're watching Lovecraft Country Live, please be sure to use that hashtag LovecraftAftermath or LCCPod, which will be linked in the show notes. Okay, Hannah Mae, yes. let's let's get in. So with this show, oh, first of all, you've read the book, is that right? I have. Okay, okay, so how are you feeling? We're in episode 7. We've got seven weeks deep into this show. How do you feel having already read the book and then watching the series? Do you feel like they complement each other? Do you feel like, oh, they completely messed up? Or what are your thoughts?
2: Honestly, my thoughts sway depending on the episode. Okay. That's fair. I I personally, I really enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the book to the point where... I was shocked that it was actually a white author mm. that I found out afterwards that it was a white man that wrote the book mm-hmm. because of the depth and the accuracy, actually, of the black characters. Yeah. So as the emotion and the fears of the black characters, and I felt it as a black person, not black American, a black Canadian, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: I, from the, li- the little that I know of the experience of black America, especially Jim Crow, black mm-hmm. America. America, I thought that he wrote it in a very poetic way. Mm-hmm. So, watching the show, I it's sort of frustrating. I feel like they make they reach maybe 70% of the way each time. And in me, I'm just like, oh, okay, just, <laughs> just push a bit further. And you, you know? yes, you have some. The first two episodes I thought were right on the ball, mm-hmm. but I questioned myself in saying, was it because I would say those two follow the plot of the book the most Mm -hmm. in comparison to the rest of the episodes. The rest of the episodes then, it sort of hits and misses because it's it's novel as someone who read the book to watch something new happening Mm -hmm. within that same lore but in the same breath, it's like oh, did they really capture the essence of what the author was really intending for the story itself?
1: Right, right. I, I'm i much like you. I read the book and I loved it. Um, I felt like there were a few missteps, but those missteps weren't. They weren't things that I felt like took you out of the book. And I wonder how much control has Matt Ruff had over the show. Because when you look at something like Game of Thrones, where um, George R.R. R. Martin wasn't even done with the series... And they passed the point in the series with the show. So I wonder, like, did he say, wonderful, just do what you do? Or was it like, ultimately, I want to see this happen? I wonder. I wonder. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. So so tell me this, being uh, Canadian, is there anything, having read the book and enjoyed it and then watching the show, is there anything that just seems odd or... Does you being Canadian even affect the way that you're watching the show, though it is set in Jim Crow America in the
2: 50s? I would say that watching the show, my only concern is my own
3: ignorance.
1: Mm, For
2: example, in the past, in the last episode, there was the scene where Hippolyta was driving down the highway, and then you see the black woman drive beside her in Mm the motorcycle. For me, that was just an innocent scene where somebody just drove... By her on a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and then going back and checking on Twitter and reading and seeing what other people's opinions of that particular scene were, I realized that that was actually they were actually referencing an individual. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Bessie. I can't remember the woman's name, but B- I think she's the first black woman to right. ride across America.
1: Yeah, it was um, Bessie so, Stringfield. Yep.
2: Ah uh, yes. Yeah. So that there's always that sense of like concern in the back of my mind. Like, mm-hmm. am I? Missing something out of my own ignorance, mm-hmm. or am I not truly capturing the essence of what that feels like? Having not at least experienced everyday racism to the degree that people in right. America, especially black people in America, may experience mm-hmm. in comparison to Canada.
1: Right, right, right. Um,
2: I think that, to be frank, the book really sent me back into that headspace more than the TV show has. Oh, okay. Because um, there's this scene in the book, I don't want to spoil it much for the audience, but (laughs) this this is a scene in the book where characters recount what happened the night that Black Black
3: Wall Street
2: fell and was attacked. And I actually had to put the book down and Mm. take a break because I felt so heavily affected reading the perspective of those particular characters
3: and
2: the strife that they were going through in that particular situation. Yeah. So I haven't had that moment watching the show. I've had the moments where I'm like, "Oh crap, that sucks!" Like, oh, I can't believe yeah. so I deal with like that. But I didn't have that whole okay. I need to pause this, drink water, and calm down. Yeah. This is such a visceral reaction that I got from the book mm-hmm. I have yet to get the TV
1: show. Okay. Okay. I can see that because much like you, that well, for me, oh, so I think that's where the differences um, kind of not shine, that's not the right word, but kind of our appearance, because I got, I had the same reaction as you, the initial reaction, but also the Tulsa riots and stuff are things that I grew up like knowing about. So for mm-hmm. me, it was more like, okay, this adds to the level of storytelling and the um, amount of care that Matt Ruff put into the book. So that's interesting. Yeah, because for me as an American, when I look at other media... Even if it's just like, I don't know, Luther, you know, a a UK show or something. I'm always looking like, okay, what is it that I'm not seeing? Because I'm sure there's a ton of things that may be said or may be done that I just would not get. Or it's like an inside joke from like a TV show from the 90s or something. So, oh, that's so interesting getting your take on it versus me having the lived-in experience of, of knowing about this stuff. Oh, man, okay. Right. Okay.
2: Right, yeah, that, that particular chapter really... I have to, I actually listened to the book on audiobook, so mm-hmm. I think I can actually, like, re-read it. As right, do it. right. So I had a moment where I thought, I wonder if it was just hearing somebody tell me this. versus mm. having to read it is why I had such an emotional reaction to yeah. that particular chapter. Because when I tell you, I think I was, like, doing my hair or something. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop everything that I was doing. And I think I went and hugged my mother. Oh, because okay. Because the sorrow that I felt for the characters, and then realizing that this is something that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. something that I could have been mixed up in myself. Yeah. It was, not only was it terrifying for me, it was just very, honestly, it was depressing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I knew about the Tulsa riots and what happened with Black Wall Street just from an educational perspective. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I had ever formed that emotional bridge between that event and with me as a black individual, a black woman.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Despite the fact that, okay, yes, we live in North America. And North America may not always be the most welcoming place for people that look like us. Mm -hmm. But I can say that I'm thankful that I grew up somewhere in Canada where in comparison it's not as bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my exposure isn't to the level that it would be safe for you.
3: Yeah. So yeah.
2: I just had to make that connection of the, of how genuinely terrible this would have been. Mm-hmm. I'm still reading it, or at least hearing somebody tell it to me through the perspective of those particular characters.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's one thing I do like about this show is that me and some of the former guests, um, first mainly who comes to mind is JJ Jupiter, Judah, Twenty Four. Um, have had discussions about like the understanding of the text and the understanding of the show and how even people who may not exist in this nerd space where it's like history and feminism and comic books and sci-fi, they're getting a taste of what it is to live in the mind of some of these nerdy black people. And this show is bringing about so much conversation in ways... Yeah, so... I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. There's a lot of critique. You know, art, is, art cannot exist without being critiqued. So, you know, even the things that the show may get wrong, I'm still grateful that it is here because this episode in particular, having such a story devoted to, and I said this on Twitter, and I'll say this until I'm blue in the face, a black woman of a certain age who is not racially ambiguous, who looks very much like she's a black woman, Dressing sexy, exactly. being a warrior, having a futurist, afro-futuristic type story being told, and this whole episode devoted to her, it's right. not... Oh, yeah. so <laughs> I, know, I
2: think with this particular episode, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the vacillation with the viewers so much when I got on Twitter mm-hmm. as I was watching it, because... I don't know. I think, you know, as you were saying before, I was one of those kids that, all right, I grew up watching anime and I'm super into sci fi and mm-hmm. I get obsessed with particular um, topics. And then you would sort of feel embarrassed to speak about that with your black peers. Mm. Despite the fact that now I'm realizing that like 90% of us, or at least right. 90% <laughs> of the ones that I, was, I honestly, I grew up in white suburbia. Mm-hmm. So my everyday exposure to other black people was. Was little. I went to a private school. I was one of three black kids in the whole. Oh, school. okay. <laughs> so my my level of exposure to other black kids, or at least other black people within my age range, mm-hmm. uh, during my upbringing was very little. And then to further have these these interests that are sort of far removed from what would be stereotypically black,
3: mm-hmm.
2: was, you know, there's that hesitation. Oh, can I bring this up to them? Will I be judged for this? Mm-hmm. Don't be so- so watching this episode now and seeing, as you said, that black woman at her age who had grown up being that sci-fi mm. kid, who if mm-hmm. she was around us this day and age, would probably have been one of the first to go watch—I don't know—Avengers Endgame or whatever right, right movie that came out at this time. It was—I think—it was so fascinating to watch other black people and especially black people our age. Be able to look at an older woman mm-hmm. because we feel as though I think we grew up in a generation where it was you know the turn of the century and technology had really taken off exponentially.
3: Mm-hmm. Just
2: the fact that we're here talking to each other now, right? Okay, you know, right? We didn't have that to the same degree, at least in other gener- in gener- in the generation before us, right? We were pretty much, one the first to have that, right? Mm-hmm. So to see what it what we may be in the upcoming years yeah we are going to be mothers and the fathers yes who were the nerds and we're raising (laughs) our kids now to accept that yeah we're not boxing ourselves in as in as a community as much as we were say 10 15 20 years ago Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. i agree i agree like there's there's no denying that prior to i don't know AOL, you know, there was a whole generation where it was like, go outside and play, you know, and now it's like, you can code, you can be a graphic designer, you can have a YouTube channel at 14, you know, you're into Superman, oh, there's 106,000 people that look like you who are also into Superman. So yeah, I, I, I like that kind of precedent that it set, like, Hippolyta, though, maybe a bit more educational nerdy has a daughter, Diana, who's very much into comics and sci-fi, and that this episode, like like you said, completely is us in the future, when we have our children and, and grandchildren, when I, and you have these nerdy generation of people who get to their 40s and 50s and can still enjoy going out and hanging out and doing whatever, but then always bring it back to, well, did you read that new such-and-such such book, or you got this comic book, or did you watch this anime? Yeah, yeah. This is this is an exciting time to be a nerd. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> exactly. Um.
2: I think I wish I'm I'm sort of of all the characters most disappointed in how they're portraying. Um, I can't for, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but Atticus's dad, Montrose. Yeah. Not nec- Montrose. Not necessarily because of his storyline, mm-hmm. but because of his mentality in the book. Mm-hmm. I think. I could resonate or at least understand a lot more mm, okay. because especially his, um, his critique of Atticus's interest
3: mm-hmm.
2: because it was a matter of, I don't just want you reading. I want you reading people who are authors who mm-hmm. are accepting of us and yeah. paint us in a, in the correct light. Yeah. He was constantly guiding the younger generation. Hey, have pride in the fact yeah. that you're black. hmm
3: mm-hmm.
2: So, I, I, this version of Montrose that they're displaying in the show, while I can understand his aggression and him having to hide his identity, especially in that time frame, not only dealing with being black, but, being, but dealing with being a queer man. hmm I wish that we could, uh, we might in the future, but I wish that we could sort of see, that pride in himself mm-hmm. that we saw in the book, despite yeah. the fact that their storylines being so different.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. I agree because honestly, I lost sight of Montrose from the book because of everything in the show, and I completely right. forgot. Like you said, like when he ran into those kids at the gas station, was like, "Don't spend your money here." It was like, "Oh, we're just getting the right. stolen." No, this white man does not like you. He does not care for you. Don't spend your money. Like, yeah, he was very. He was very aggressive. Well, maybe that's not the word. Well, I'll, for lack of a better term, he was very... he uh, was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was very much, but it was aggressive with that pride. And I, I get changing aspects of him to fit the queer identity in the 50s, but I feel like, and this is one of my kind of issues with the show, is his relationship with Atticus is really kind of upsetting me because of his queer identity in the show um it feels like a lot of the focus is there well mm, let me say with this last episode in particular the conversation that they had once it was all confirmed that Montrose was queer mm-hmm. I think it was real reasonable I think it was realistic rather but I right. did not... Looking at the Montrose in the book, it makes me wonder are we ever going to get him yeah, when we have exactly. three episodes left? Like, exactly. yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's something I hadn't even. I think when we got him in that second episode, it was more him yeah. than we've gotten since then. Yeah. Well, he was like, yeah, not I'm
2: just speaking to. Peers. I've heard quite a few people say that we were. I was okay. For example, I spoke to someone who had hadn't even read the book and was just, just watching the show. Fresh, mm-hmm. okay. And he said that I vibe so well with the first two episodes, and then it feels as though everything went downhill after that for me, mm-hmm. or for that individual, not me necessarily. Right, right, you know right. It. But it's it's very fascinating to me because I it frustrates me to see people denigrate. The whole concept of Lovecraft Country mm-hmm. because the book to me was so spectacular. Right. And it's interesting that you have individuals that really loved the first two episodes, and the first two episodes, I would say, captured the essence of the book the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit frustrating. It goes back to what I said. It's like they, they're always reached 70 or 80%, but. <laughs> I, I understand wanting to make the show novel and new, and someone like you and I who has read the book can still be entertained by mm-hmm. something that we haven't seen before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I, I, it's hard to see them veer away from the heart of what the book was. Because to me, my interpretation of the book was, despite having the characters each have their own moment to shine throughout the chapters and you get to see a bit more about who they are as individuals and what they're facing. Mm -hmm. My interpretation of the book was, am I supposed to be fearing the mystical or the fairy or whatever it may be that they're facing at the time Mm -hmm. or the supernatural? Mm. Or am I supposed to be fearing racism more? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So as a black person reading the book, you know there were moments where I said to myself, okay, I was more scared of the racist yeah. than I were of the actual monster. Mhm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought that was really telling for to I think that was it was it highlights the author's um yeah. ability to <laughs> which, mm-hmm. you know, props to him. But it was also it's perhaps the really gone at what he was attempting to get the audience yeah. to grapple with. Not yeah. necessarily just the black people, but with everyone.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We're
2: reading something and we're more scared of something that's real versus something that's not real.
1: Right, right. Yeah. No, no, that was that was my takeaway as well. And there were moments like I think for me this episode was probably my favorite just because of how it handled this black woman, how it handled Hippolyta's story. And then Letty's episode was really good. I thought. I think they took some liberties. They changed some things. But as far as the episode is of concern, but I do think one and two were a better story. They kind of to me felt like a movie almost, where it felt like right. beginning, middle, and end. This is what happened. And I'm all for going off script. You know, I, I like that you change stuff up and you do stuff differently. But because of the way Matt wrote the book, I, I've, I've, since the first or second episode, I was like, okay, you could wrap up this whole se- book in one season. But with this being a TV show, right. of course, they're probably going to want more. So I could see maybe two or three. But the way they're moving through the book, mm-hmm. it had me a bit nervous because I feel like at some point, you're going to get to a space where you've run out of book, and now it's all TV show. Yeah. What is that going yeah, to look like? Because, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So, especially because it's just one book versus a series
1: of books. Absolutely, right, right. And then, like again, going back to the original question: How involved is Matt Matt Ruff, the author, in this in this show? Because I think what should happen, even if they don't follow the book. Uh, line for line is that the racism the fantastic stuff momentarily should have you shook but the racism to me I always felt should always be the most frightening thing it's like the thing that's like you said that's real that you know that you can see is more terrifying than a ghost in your basement or um, some vampire monsters in the woods Like so hmm. okay so with all that being said how do you how would this season have to end for you to feel like it got back on track from episodes one and two, if you even have a um, an answer for that?
0: Hmm. I was,
2: that's a good question. <laughs> well, I think going back to what you just said, I doubt that they're going to leave this at one season, mm-hmm. hopefully. So I couldn't just say, oh yeah, I wish they just go back on track. Yeah. Like, and we should be done in a few chapters, mm. you know? But I would say that this story... I feel as though the book is really taking out something that is key or paramount to actually wrapping up the story the way that Matt Ruff had wrapped up mm-hmm. the story in his book.
3: Okay.
1: And
2: I, my, the thing that I... Identify as that aspect Is this sort of white savior complex mm-hmm. That you saw throughout the book mm-hmm. It would seem that every chapter At the end of every chapter It was this one, I don't want to spoil it for anyone right, but right. There's a particular white character mm-hmm. That seems to be always having A hand in yeah. Concluding whatever issues that they're having like mm-hmm. He fixes everything in a way At the end of every season At end of every um, chapter, sorry mm-hmm. So the How the book ends Sort of addresses that that you yep. see throughout this whole white savior complex, mm-hmm. and of course, that's the microcosm of what we see in broader society. Yeah, and then as a reader, the whole book I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, why is this white guy keep being the hero? Okay, <laughs> all right, I see, like why? Otherwise? Yeah, and then finally at the end, you see every that that particular issue being addressed. Yes, because even as I was going through the last chapter, I was saying, okay, it's. It, it set it up where it was going to be another white savior issue um mm-hmm. ending conclusion
3: mm-hmm.
2: and i was thinking are they really gonna do are we really
3: going
2: <laughs> is to? This, this is where i started questioning the author yeah <laughs> you're really gonna up this whole book is just gonna be like this just white people black people in strife right and then this white guy shows up and fixes <laughs> everything at the end like the problem so i would say that before i Answer the question of what would be Needed for the story To end at the same caliber As the book uh-huh. I would like to see the upcoming Episode Because based off of the teaser Aside from a particular storyline Between Atticus and um, Letty mm-hmm. this, What happens with um, I keep wanting to say Horace But then I realize that they changed the gender of, Yeah of, of Diana In the book yeah, Diana, I want to see how they do with that episode. Yeah. Because I think that, okay, the beginning of the book had a very, or the, the beginning of the book was, I would say, the largest chunk of mm-hmm. a particular plot. Yeah. And then you had the middle where you sort of you sort of introduced the lifestyles and the, the issues with particular characters. And then that final, that second to last chapter with, in the book Horace, yeah, like in the show Diana mm-hmm. is what really sets up what happens in the final chapter. Yeah, yeah. I want because this is the three episodes left, and okay, potentially they could they can split the final chapter into two and just have okay, this entry level episode that leads us to the final two episodes. Mm-hmm. I want to see if they're really gonna veer off course, especially with what's been teased to us with the pregnancy. Yeah. I don't know how they back that up in two episodes. <laughs> like, oh, she's pregnant, baby, okay, done. Like, right. But that house, I don't know if they're probably setting up for another season, which, okay, fair enough, we get cliffhangers all the time, unfortunately. It sucks for us, but that's how they make money. <laughs> and, but I really want this, because as minimal as you would say that chapter was mm-hmm. in the book chorus in the show would be Diana. I think that chapter was really highlighted, this whole white savior veil that was over the book, because that's the chapter where I finally sat there, and I'm like, wait a minute, this white guy has showed up and fixed everything, yeah whole book, (laughs) yeah that's when it finally clicked in my head, so I'm wanting to see if they attempt to really bring that issue back into the overall story.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see that as well because I didn't catch the... Um, at the time of the recording, I haven't watched the teaser, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And that right. story from the book, though it's a black child, so it makes me nervous, it makes me even more nervous because they've swapped genders and now it's a little black girl. Because I'm thinking... Right. out of In my head, my mind immediately goes to black children who are kidnapped and never seen right. from again. And so I'm like, oh, this little black girl. So I do think it was a smart choice that they made Diana a girl versus a boy, especially with Hippolyta and I mean, it makes sense, Hippolyta and Diana and the way th- things have <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah, I so I'm um I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm curious to see because they've added in enough with the sheriff, with Christina, with the pregnancy, with um, right. with so enough with Jiha. Because her alone is like, yeah. you can wrap up this season, but yeah, she yeah. has to show
3: up.
2: I really, right. Exactly. I was watching the show, watching that episode. I should say, I was okay. This is so interesting. Like, I want to see more of her, mm-hmm. but then I realized. <clears throat> How is she going to work in the final plot?
1: Yeah, I don't... You know,
2: I'm like... I don't know how they're going to manage to... And it would really be a waste, especially to have such an effective actress. Mm -hmm. I thought she performed incredibly. Yeah. I felt very connected to the character. She did. So, it would kind of be a waste. (laughs) Yeah, she did do that. (laughs) It would kind of be a waste to have somebody so effective... And so interesting, just sort of whittle away into the background It's just this random episode where things were different.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: But
2: I don't know, I think, I just, I can't deal with Atticus. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, I'm not a fan of, I don't like their depiction of Atticus. Okay. I think both Atticus and Leticia, I don't like their scenes, they're both, like when they come up on the scene, It's just it's on the TV for me, it's just the sense of acrimony. Mm. I just find that in the book, Atticus, Atticus was assertive, but there was still that, that sort of. Um, I would say he was more timid in a way. Yeah. But not okay. Here's let me say this properly. <laughs> I would say that in the book, it's to, it's clear in the sorry in the show Atticus seems to be overcompensating through mm. aggression. Hmm. It's just this constant state of aggression in the show that really frustrates me because in the book he was assertive and he was strong, but he wasn't. He was the person that people would always feel comfortable going to, mm-hmm. and he played that main character role very well in the sense that he he didn't overshadowed any other any of the other characters. Yeah yet you would still understand that he was the main character throughout the sh-
3: throughout Yeah. The
2: book, throughout the story. But I find that in the show, I can't get past the sense of overcompensation. Like, he seems as though he's, um, I don't know, overly timid in himself. Okay, here's what I would say. Have you <laughs> ever had known somebody who was really quiet as a kid and they were sort of walked over quite Yeah, often, and they reached the age where they're like, you know what? I'm not going to be walked over like this anymore. Yeah. But they don't actually change that within themselves. They just exude this sense of arrogance and aggression to mm-hmm. compensate for the fact that they may be insecure about something. Yeah. So you're still getting the sense of I can tell you you're insecure, but you bark like a dog anytime I come close to you. So <laughs> let me keep my distance. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like this depiction of Atticus because I find as though they're trying too hard to make them related in a way, and then Letitia just frustrates me because I, I hate it in life. <laughs> but I guess <laughs> this is the point. But I hate it in life when people are constantly winning when they don't deserve it.
1: Mm, okay. Okay.
2: So I find as though in the book, Letitia was just as, um, as flamboyant and outgoing Mm -hmm. strong-willed, but the way she was written in the book was far more understanding than the way that she's written in the story, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's because we haven't gotten enough time with her to really suck out her personality, Mm -hmm. but we have gotten quite a bit of time with her where they could have, but she just comes back with me. especially in regards to how she treats Ruby. Yeah, that... mm. Yeah, go ahead. I'm not a fan
1: yeah that her and Ruby that really like I love uh <clears throat> excuse me Lady in the book in the show mm-hmm. I like her I really do but once we got to her episode and I don't know why because they pretty much was based off of the book but the way in which she handled that money really yeah. soured her for me in that episode because I'm like I, I like you I like you in the book I like you in the show. But how are you so... And much to your point, those people who have this mentality that I'm doing this for you or I did this, like I I got all this money I didn't tell you but I bought this house so we could be close. You may have really intended for us to be good sisters but you left out a very key point that this money we all think comes from our mom and me and your brother ain't got nothing. It was like, damn, that's... That's pretty shitty, you know. Straight uh, up selfish. Yeah. <laughs> like, come
3: <hold> on, man. <laughs> and you
1: still have this house. You still have this house. Even though we now know right. where the money really came from, that's not how it started. Exactly. We assumed you got this money from mom. Oh, I don't know. Um, And I'm with you as well with Atticus, and I've been trying to put my finger on what my issue is, but he is kind of boring in comparison to everyone else on the show Um, I I get his struggles especially his struggles with his father Um, I have to really pull myself out of it because I am a queer man so a lot of my instinct of being either frustrated or excited or whatever I have to pull it back because the scenes with him and Montrose though I don't really care for Montrose I'm still like oh give him a chance but it's like also we're in the 50s you know, think of how he was abused his whole life and then now to find out this secret. So, a lot of stuff I have to... I have to do the work to pull myself out of the show. But, even after that, I just feel like Atticus is not as exciting as other people on this show. Um, right. I think he peaked on the first two episodes. I
3: agree. Yeah, I, if,
1: agree. I, I like I like looking at him. Now, I like that. Right. But... <laughs> After that, he's a good actor too. I don't think his acting is bad. I just think that he is not he pales in comparison to these big personalities on this show. And right. after seeing Hippolyta from start to finish in episode seven, you have right. to fucking wow me for the next episode right. because right. <laughs> she who oh, okay, so um so much to- all, God yes So before even getting into her Tell me your thoughts on The second episode having read the book When George died Because he's been dead this whole time Was that something Sorry. that you thought Helped the show or was it like No I hate this
2: <laughs> I think Okay it's Constantly it's going to go back to the fact that I'm coming in with this bias having read the book mm-hmm. But I found George's presence in the book really helps build that foundation between Atticus and his father. Mm -hmm. Where throughout the book, you sort of see them come closer in their own way. They start doing more and more things together. Mm -hmm. And then it goes from doing things together with the group versus doing things together alone. Mm -hmm. So, I find that I was thinking when I, when George had died after watching that episode, that maybe it's the death of him that will bring them together. Oh. Atticus <laughs> having losing someone that he loves, that's in his uncle, and Montrose having losing his um, brother. Yeah. That maybe through that will form that bridge that you sort of see them form in the book. Mm-hmm. But I, it frustrates me because I thought, especially having watched with at the time having watched the first two episodes and only really being exposed to those three characters yeah um Attic Leticia and George Mm -hmm. and then afterwards Montrose but you know the connection really was with those three characters in the beginning I found that he was the only one that was really level headed in the whole situation you have Laetitia who's quick to react and you know her, her her sense of intuition really helped um especially in that scene where they're in the diner, because yeah. she's the one that ran out, right? Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that both George and Atticus were sort of building the bridge, like, hey, why is it inside white? Why do they, right. Why do they paint building street, right, when they burn them down? So it was really malicious actions that saved them, and in the book even more so, mm-hmm. but, and then you have George as the main character, not George, sorry, I have Atticus as the main character who you're following just through his eyes, just through his perspective. And then you have George, who really was like the patriarch. He was, yep. like, I felt like I was calling him Uncle George yeah. instead of just
3: George. <laughs> they yeah.
2: really felt that love from him and the way that he would regard the two of them, the way that he treated the two of them like they were his own. So it was hard seeing, okay, you have someone like George who really brings that loving aspect or that familial aspect to the group, yeah, and then you have Montrose, who's hyper aggressive, but they sort of balance each other out because sometimes you need to be aggressive to make through situations that yeah. like they were in at the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So okay, at the end of after end of episode two, they're out of that particular situation. They're out of that house. They're out of you know being under the thumb of the sons of Adam. Mm-hmm. But then. He, that that loving familial aspect i find was removed from the show from the show when george died i didn't i don't feel that family anymore yeah but I felt, now i'm just feeling like we're just watching a bunch of neighbors who happen <laughs> to be close to each other yeah. you know you don't yeah. really feel that sense of familial relationship that you feel especially in the book and i think what frustrates me with that is the fact that especially in jim crow Era, Black people's community were really forced to rely on each other and really see each other as a collective, as mm. a family, because really they only had each other.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I feel so that's an important thing to display in the story because at the end of the day, it's not just Black people watching; it's everyone watching. Right. So you need everyone to truly understand what was what the mindset and the mentality that was necessary to survive that era was to really see each other as family really be a community in every sense of that word.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So having that loving aspect removed from the story through Uncle George's death, I think really took away from part of what the story or the essence of what we're trying to see through this depiction of Jim Crow era mm-hmm. Black America. Yeah. So I think that's what my biggest issue was with him. Living. I've yet to see that you really are my brother despite the fact that we're not actually related because yeah. we're in a situation together
1: yeah no i can see that and i i agree with you when looking back on everything it does though we know them to be family it does feel like a different show without george there right. and george's mm-hmm. absence has Permeated every single character from Diana playing with the Ouija board with her friends to Hippolyta being just upset that her husband's gone to Montrose. Like, and it, it felt to me, going back to how Montrose is different in the book than the show, I, it didn't feel like he grieved or they made space in the show for us to see him grieve. Hey. Like, we saw Letty, which was understandable, she died and was resurrected. Um, right. but I don't think we saw Montrose and it feels as if the show is really holding close to the vest, the secret of Atticus paternity, like his real father. If it's really George, if it's really, mm-hmm. uh, Montrose and you know, he, uh, Montrose said Dale knew that he was gay or bisexual or queer. Um, mm-hmm. so I feel like. This season cannot end without all of that coming out. Because at this point, you've removed the father. You've um, shaken shit up in a way that's entertaining, but still is very far off from what we got in the book. And then... You've introduced so many elements that hearing you talk about George is making me... He needs to be back. And so now my question is throughout Hippolyta's story in episode 7, are we then, with her being able to like quantum leap and jump through time and stuff, are we bringing George back from the dead or from earlier in the timeline? So do we actually end this season with George alive? Like... Yeah,
2: I don't... I, I don't... I don't know. I don't... Here's where I would be frustrated, right? Because... Personally, I don't even really like that idea. Okay. That, to me, feels like, you know, when you watch this crazy story and then it was all a dream. At yeah. The so there's no actual genuine conclusion um, closure, or a- conclusion that feels as though it suits the essence of what you were watching. Mm-hmm. So to have this sort of just magically be whisked away, oh yeah, he's back. I don't think that's good storytelling to be frank in my subjective opinion, mm-hmm. but in the same breath, I do think that we need a character that's going to be able to really rally the troops as a whole. Okay. So perhaps it could be Hippolyta, seeing that she, she's had this moment of catharsis, mm-hmm. and she's really able to release a lot of the pent-up frustration that we
1: yeah, I could see that.
2: Yeah, the snappy sort of new, yeah, personality. Mm-hmm. Even with her daughter. So, it... Especially after speaking with George and being able to vent with him and explain to him how she felt, because I can imagine being married to someone and being happy and loving your relationship and your family yet still having some sort of grief or, um, just moments of oh, do I really what yeah. Is my life going to be and mm-hmm. then having that person just disappear and that family unit just disappear and then suddenly you you have the freedom to at, at least as a black woman at the time at the very least somewhat attempt to do what you wanted to do mm-hmm. but then it comes at the expense of having to lose your husband so I'm hoping that potentially having this moment or this episode where she could really review herself and the things that were heavy on her shoulders throughout her life, especially in the book where you actually see how this affected her from childhood straight to her being an adult, her being a mother. So, um, having that opportunity, will she now be able to go into this situation with a clearer mind and play that role and become that matriarch that would reflect what Uncle George would
1: have been had he been alive. Yeah, I, I think she should. I think that's actually a, a great idea because the frustration she had from knowing something was off about their story to them being able to see her husband again, get that stuff off your chest and know that you can, because I assume that she can still without those things in her wrists, travel through space and time. Um, cause what is it that the alien said to her at the end? Like, you no longer need, uh, these things or whatever. So come with us. And she was like, well, you know, I I have my daughter. Um, she said, can I still travel without things? And the lady was like, yeah, like you stated who you are. You've declared that you are, you know, you or whatever you can travel. So I would imagine George not come back, but she's able to visit George. And I say that because we get at the end Atticus holding a copy of Lovecraft Country written by Uncle George. So Mm -hmm. I feel, my theory is, everything she told George when she went back in time, episode one, Mm -hmm. that George wrote those stories and published that book before dying or something. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. (laughs) I'm. These last three episodes have me kind of nervous and excited and kind of emotions all over the place because wh- how are you going to wrap this up <laughs> yeah. within 3 hours? That's all you got is 3 right, more right. hours. What what are you going to give us? Um and then not even Yahima, like we know she they are dead, but what's the consequence of that? Like yeah there was-
3: Hmm?
2: There's this particular... I find that this past episode really, for me, I think it was one of the few that really left me having to reflect a lot more afterwards versus the other ones where you of just watching them and going on your life and then, oh, it's Sunday, again, new episode tonight. Yeah. I feel that like this particular episode especially with the amount of references and Easter eggs that were left in it, Mm -hmm. was, I don't know, it stands above the rest of them because it forces you to to really think about, especially me as a black woman, right, and the Mm -hmm. specific issues we have and the specific way that we have to interact with broader society versus anyone else. I think it forced me to really reflect upon aspects of myself because what i thought was very telling about hippolyta's particular story and episode was that okay there were three very clear chapters for lack of a better word within this episode the one where she's dancing the one where she's a warrior and then the final one where she finally gets to talk to her husband and vent about how she felt Mm -hmm. being his wife and what I found very interesting was the fact that throughout each ch- of these three chapters, she would rant about something. So, okay, for example, the, the dancing one, which her, her strife was geared to, more towards society and the fact that she's forced to behave this way. And then the warrior one was more a sense of physical catharsis and physical release where she gets to really let these emotions out and even being that when she was dancing she said and I quote because I'm not the one who said this just (laughs) make it very clear uh, I quote I want to kill white people Mm -hmm. and then that's literally what she does in the next chapter of the episode so she gets to act out on these impulses that she may be holding in for quite some time but throughout each of those chapters she still took the time to reflect on the fact on what she's doing mm-hmm. to perpetuate these same issues that she's having with her life. Yeah, so she's saying to herself, Why am I complying? Why am I behaving the way that white men want me to behave? Yeah. why am I not fighting hard enough against my opponents when I'm fighting and learning how to fight in this warrior circle? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Why am I, as your wife? Shrinking myself yep. instead of pushing to be your equal. So I, th- I thought that in particular was very important, especially for Black people to see, because we face so many issues from the broader society. I've always maintained that, you know, we have issues within our own community too. Mm-hmm. So how far can we get with everyone else? without addressing, without being introspective and looking within ourselves and saying, you know what, this stuff, this habit that we have is not going to work if we want to build. Hmm. So we need to really address these habits that we have in in the same breath as we're addressing the issues that we have with whatever outside tours we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very poetic when I was watching the episode because the sense of introspection is so important for anyone that's
1: trying to to break away from an issue that they were having in the past. I I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% with that uh, In the way that this episode was handled. And I think they did a good job at, like you said, having her experience these new things, this magical power she has, and then also look within herself. Because we, honestly, I don't think we get into the very last scene how much time has passed where she like when she's with Josephine Baker, I imagine maybe like a month or so is going by because she got so comfortable in that space and right, exactly. and was able to have that conversation with her where, like you said, she said, I hate white people. And I also hate that they make me feel this way. And it's, I think the writing was so stellar on this episode That it makes me, it frustrates me at the things that have happened that I haven't liked. Because, like, you did such an amazing (laughs) job with this one. So, but again, having that be a black woman and an older black woman, because, um, um, Hippolyte, well, the actress is 51 years old. To have her Mm -hmm. on here dealing with STEM, you know, uh, figuring out this. Alien technology through her love of math and right. science. Yeah. Through her, even, and I may be reaching, but it felt to me when she was with Josephine Baker that there was this. I'm not going to say Hippolyta is a lesbian or that she's queer, but it felt like there was this almost romantic flirtatious thing she had with Josephine that I felt like was another layer of well, I'm in these in the fifties. I'm this black woman married to this man. There's only so far, like she said, I'm shrinking. Is this something that would have been explored? Had she lived a whole nother life? Um, right. And, and I do like her conversation about shrinking because it never to me felt like, fuck you. I don't like you as my husband. You are shitty, but it felt like this is how you, I'm holding you accountable and holding myself accountable. Um, Because when she gave that speech, I felt that even through the show, I said, yeah, I feel like George was holding her back because there were things that she wanted to do, trips she wanted to take. And his whole thing was, yes, you want to protect your family and your wife, but at the same time, this is a grown woman. This is a whole adult. And it felt like, yeah, he did. Not to say he's... Let me see, how do I put this? Not to say he is wrong and did it maliciously because for him he's Mm -hmm. the man he's the head of household he has a daughter and a wife i need to take care of them because he even had with the conversation uh, i think in episode one where he told atticus he was like yeah you know if i'm i couldn't i couldn't live with myself if those white people had got to hippolyta and and not me like when they broke his knees or something so i i get right i get the 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 reality of the world in that space. But when she gave that speech about feeling like she's been shrinking, it made sense to me. And I, I, I was right there with her. Like, yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. Who Lord. Could,
2: I could see that even despite. I'm okay. I share with her the fact that I'm a black woman, mm-hmm. but clearly I'm not married. I'm too young. <laughs> I'm, too young. I'm not married, but I, the reason why I resonated with her in that soliloquy was the fact that I, as I get older I'm constantly grappling with this sense of, okay, as a black woman I want to be viewed in every sense as a woman, mm-hmm. as feminine as any other woman would be despite the stereotypes that exist. Mm-hmm. So I find it, so for me personally, I'm hyper aware of that.
3: Mm.
2: Like, I'll go the extra mile to make sure that I'm wearing a dress and heels and makeup versus Mm. going out, you know, in a hoodie and sweatpants. Mm. Because I want to display that particular aspect of myself.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Yet, there's also this aspect of black women being so readily there to To be at the forefront of any battle, and mm. You might see this with the the warriors that fought
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that Hippolyta had joined during the episode. So it was it was it was just it was very jarring, but also very um, very telling for me to see. Okay, you see Hippolyta in this hypersexual state as a dancer, and. You know, there's they, they dance topless and they, they're scantily dressed and their hair is cut short, which back then was, you know, a pretty mm-hmm. big deal in comparison mm-hmm. to now. So there's this, this hyper sexualized version of her. And then right after that, there's this warrior. Mm-hmm. And then finally, it concludes with the softness of a wife being able to see her husband again mm-hmm. and being in that vulnerable state and yet still having to discuss with him how he made her feel within their marriage
3: Mm. and
2: i think that was a microcosm to what a lot of black women have to sort of grapple with throughout life or at least i can say in my perspective i can't really speak for black women as a whole but for me i there's constantly this sense where okay i know that i have to be far more assertive to ensure that I am getting treated in a particular way or treated with respect, mm. but in the same breath, I don't want that assertiveness to overshadow mm. my femininity. Mm, hmm So I think that was a very interesting way that they set up the story itself, yeah. we're going from hypersexualized to fighting and gore and blood and that masculinity to that soft wife state. Mm-hmm. Maintaining in that soft wife state that assertiveness and that strength that's required to have this conversation, especially in the fact that she seeing her husband her dead husband for the first time. And I would, like you said, assume earlier was mine.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, the first thing I would do I don't know if I saw a dead friend or a parent or whatever, you know, knock on wood, both my parents alive, right, so right, was, right? Right, 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 if, right. If I was in that headspace, would be. I don't know, break down and just be positive. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go to the negative. You just you don't know if you'll ever get this chance again. Right. But that she had learned from those two previous experiences that it's necessary still to be able to, to advocate for yourself. And through that advocation for herself, she was able to find the release that she needed mm-hmm.
3: because
2: Uncle George was so receptive. Yeah. He didn't get mad, right? And I think, as you said before, everything that he did was clearly out of love and a protective instinct for his wife and his child. So, I think this particular episode really spoke to me as a younger black woman, really mm-hmm. grappling with these same issues despite not actually being married. Right? There's the on one hand being that strong warrior trope that a lot of black women are just given, mm-hmm. and then there's that. Need or that uh, request, a lot of Black women also have to be like, "Hey, wait, everyone! I get it. We're strong, we're powerful, so on and so forth. But we're also, we're also girls, and a lot of us want to be treated in this feminine way mm-hmm. and not constantly be slapped with this label of strong yeah. or hypersexual."
3: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Oh, oh! You see, so you're giving a a, a level of um ugh, again for lack of a better word I'll say awareness to this episode that I don't think I would have even been able to um I'm empathetic but I don't this isn't the life that I lead um where I could probably give more insight to Montrose just because I've lived a similar life as far as his identity and whatnot I appreciate everything you're saying because I'm watching this. And I'm seeing a story and there are wheels turning in my mind. But even being black, I still can only go so far into unpacking what this episode was because I don't have that lived in experience. You know, my homegirls can say, oh, this is what I go through and this is what I dealt with. But then it turns to, is this a conversation that they would have to bring up to me? Or is it a conversation that I would say, "Oh, this is what I'm noticing." You know, tell me a little bit more about this. So again, thank you for Sorry. for being here because I'm I'm no I'm watching, but I don't. You're giving a, a level of insight that I just don't have. Yeah,
2: basically, this is, that's how I feel going into every episode as a Canadian, and I'm like, <laughs> there are so many references that are going right over my head, <laughs> just nodding and
1: smiling along. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the beauty of it, and I I like that this show has come along during a time that, a time, I'll say that, in a year where, (laughs) look, now that we, um, even for people who understand every little Easter egg, but then you have people who understand none of it, and we can have a conversation, like, it's, I don't want to say it's necessarily bridging a gap, like, (laughs) world peace, but... For someone who's very intellectual and very much into history and they can pick up on every single um, visual cue and then you have those who are watching and they're still confused at the end of the day to be able to still have a conversation and bridge those two kind of communities of people. I really like that about this show. Um, Not that it's even the first show to ever do something like that but to have blackness in the forefront of it where your cast is predominantly black that's not those two things it's been few and far between um right yeah so I'm, I'm there's still stuff that i'm learning you know that i'm like oh shoot i didn't catch that or it's something like i feel like i knew what that was but somebody else had to go and like actually name it for me um yeah yeah so i'm i'm who yeah i'm i'm excited shit. <laughs> um
2: there's one, I only have, just so you know, I only have about 10 minutes left. Oh, cool, 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 I okay. I wanted to bring this up. I wanted to bring this up because I found it, probably the most interesting part of the story was when that, like, Afro-alien. Yeah. I don't know what to label <laughs> that, but I'm going to stick with Afro-alien. hmm When she said that black people are a myth mm-hmm. in the show, and I was you know, hearing that, I'm like, what is this? What? <laughs> what mm-hmm. in the world does that even mean? So I tried to dig into what the meaning behind that was because I found that my interpretation of it was so far removed from the actual reference. It's referencing this um, character called Dun-Ra, mm-hmm. a movie called Space is Place. It's like a 1970s show. I found a clipping of it on YouTube, so that's how I managed to figure out what the reference was. Okay. When she said that, Black people are a myth In my Interpretation hearing that the first Time I sort of felt Somewhat offended Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Because In what I thought She was saying was You know black people Haven't really done Haven't really had An impact in The broader history of the world
3: Mm -hmm.
2: That's how I interpreted it I immediately went to the negative. Mm -hmm. Because for you to say, okay, black people are a myth. That is, there's no evidence of us ever having existed. And then I thought, okay, well, yeah, that's because most of our societies have been pillaged. Mm And our history has been revised by... You know how they always say, history is written by the winners. The victors, yeah. Mm -hmm. there um, (laughs) There are aspects of our history that clearly a minority of any of us across the globe have any access to knowledge to. Yet it still it frustrates me because there's so many things that we've we've um, invented or we were the the pioneers of particular um, theories or practices. Mm-hmm. Even something as far as infections came out of Africa as a concept. Yet we were robbed of the the title of being the inventor or being the pioneer mm-hmm. of a particular habit so it that's where i thought she was going when she said that cause i'm like okay you know what that's it's it's i understand where she would have been coming from from my perspective mm-hmm. but then i thought it's really harsh to say as a black individual, despite you being an alien, and I'm sure <laughs> you know aliens are, are logical, and they're not going to really be thinking about how it's going to make you feel. And they're yeah. just say it because it's <laughs> from what they can see, right? So that was like it was a little depressing when I really thought. I'm like, you know what? Like, oh, black uniforms—that's okay. <laughs> like, there's no evidence of us ever being here. We're just there's no stamp of approval with mm-hmm. this aspect or this era. There's just we were there but there's no evidence of us actually ever really being there Yeah, and then there's, or very little I should say, not no as in there's none but there's very little and the little that there are the broader black society or black community aren't very versed on but after watching this particular scene with Sun Ra and listening to what his his actual the context of that term yeah or that particular idiom that black people are a myth, it was a lot more... I felt for me personally it was a call to action. Yeah. Because the way that I took what Sun Ra meant when he said black people are a myth was you're trying to conform to a society that was not built for you. Mm. So instead of being so concerned with assimilation... You should be more concerned with innovation within yourself. And I thought that was... I think that's something that a lot of black people need to hear. Mm. I'm not going to say that we shouldn't fight to be accepted in whatever society we live in, purely based on the fact that we do live in that society, whether people like it or not, we're a part of it. Yeah. But in the same breath, a lot of black people or our community in particular really, really need to recognize the magic of us hmm. because there is so look at the entire culture <laughs> really right if you remove black people or black um black culture from broader culture hmm. what really is left it nothing to be a, a shadow of what it was right
3: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So i find that in a way we all collectively could do with building a confidence within ourselves and it goes back to me being frustrated with this particular depiction of Montrose because I think that's what he depicted within the story. Be proud of who you are and don't take something just because you're finally somewhat being accepted. Don't just take it.
3: Yeah. You know,
2: yeah. I'd rather I'd rather walk five miles to go to that black owned business than walk one mile to go to the white man just because he's closer. Yeah. And because oh I can finally get in. No.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How is that going to build us? How is that going to allow us to reach where all these other minority communities have reached despite having to deal with the fact that they're minorities. Yeah. In a society where you are a minority. So I think I th- I would encourage everyone to look any oh, the audience to look <laughs> into space is the place and listen to that particular scene with Sun Ra because it was not only was it somewhat humorous to see how the other characters were reacting to him because okay, okay there's a funny dressed guy, what are you doing? You're looking all funny like that? Mm-hmm. And then for him to just be dropping all this philosophical knowledge on everyone and just to see how everyone goes from making cracking jokes Really opening their ears and listening And taking in what he has to say
3: mm-hmm.
2: I thought that was it was, interesting. it was an interesting little hunt To send us down <laughs> From yes. the Love Path country Because I never heard of the Space is the place, I never yeah. heard of the show And hearing that quote in particular I immediately Interpreted it negatively Yeah but to really listen to what the context of the, the saying was, I think I would encourage everyone to look into listening to that for themselves because it built a sense of pride for me.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I'll definitely yeah. put that in the show notes then. Definitely. Safe is the, safe in the place. Oh, Lord. Safe in the place.
2: base <laughs> is the place and then i'll message it to you Another okay
1: individual that said it was okay good 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 i'll definitely add that oh thanks that's perfect perfect that'll be a, 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 a so i'll
3: send you the link as well
1: okay good deal then i'll be added in so listeners make sure to click on the show notes so you can get that link uh for the sun Ra, um experience <laughs> so um yeah i know you don't have much time uh so we can kind of wrap it up here. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I guess, I don't know, I kind of feel silly to even ask, who's your favorite character from this episode? <laughs>
2: My favorite character from the episode or from the show in general?
1: Oh, well, yeah, let's do that. Let's do show in general.
2: The show in general, if I had to be frank, I'm most interested in both Ruby and Christina. Okay. I- to see where this plot of Christina's is going.
1: Okay, okay, that's it's fair.
2: Very. It, it sort of follows the book, but the fact that it's a female is already pretty revolutionary yeah. in terms of the show's portrayal of her
3: role.
2: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to see how this is going to I want to see where it's going to go between Ruby and Christina. Yeah. Because I find the book didn't really give us much closure with No. That sure
1: didn't. Sure didn't.
2: It's sort of just, like, ended abruptly, and then it. it's like, no. I, thought, I was really upset at the end of the book when I did, there was no final encounter, really. It was like, oh, I want to know what Ruby is Yeah. William. What are they doing, right? Yeah. And uh, I was actually considering emailing the authors to <laughs> make a second book just so we can figure out what <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm going to see how the story concludes. With
3: those
1: two characters in particular. And of course I have a lot of love for Hippolyta. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, for me overall, I don't know. Um, Because I really like Hippolyta, this episode for sure. Because she got more shine than she had before. Prior to this episode, um, I probably would have went with Letty and Ruby. Um, But now after this episode, because we got so much of Hippolyta, I'm 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 kind of going with her. I'm kind of going with her as my all-time favorite overall, but like you, I do want to see how the show ends Ruby and Christina considering the way Ruby's story ended in the book. I think that that's gonna be interesting to see. Okay, ah, uh, well, uh, we'll wrap it up here. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, this has been great. you know, you've given some insight. you've you've gave me some things to think about. Listeners, make sure to use that hashtag, LovecraftAfterMath. Any final thoughts or anything you want to kind of get off your chest?
2: (laughs) I would encourage everyone to read the book. Yeah. Personally, I don't think the show is doing the book justice. And I think a lot of people who are denigrating Lovecraft Country online would do well with reading the book and really seeing what the author's intention was.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. What a way to end it. So, there you go, folks. If you ain't got the book, get it now. Quit, don't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you again for uh, coming on. Uh, Listeners, of course.
2: Thank you
3: for
1: having me. Oh, look, anytime you want to come back, come on back. <laughs> so, Alrighty. yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well y'all, um, thank you all for tuning in. This is Rain Coleman, the Carefree Black Nerd, Carefree Blurred on Twitter, Carefree Black Nerd everywhere else. Uh links will be in the show notes. And until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And uh black people are a myth.
0: All right. black uh, youth. Planet Earth. What it is, what it is. I am Sunra, ambassador from the intergalactic regions of the Council of Outer Space. Why are your shoes so big? Are those moon shoes?
2: How do we know you for real? Yeah, how do we know you ain't somebody off telegraph street, some old hippie
0: or something. <laughs> 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 What are you? I mean, we don't know that. she' for real. He might have something going for him. Yeah, we showed it? Oh, what kind of shoes is that you got on your feet? Yeah, walking around in all these funny clothes. Shoot, I know. I'd probably take off running. I see somebody walking down the street coming, talking all that mess to me, talking about going to outer space. What is that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, what is it what is.
2: It?
3: What is, it? What is it? That's what
2: is it what is. What it is. <laughs> 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 we don't
3: know what
0: you are. How do you know I'm real? Yeah. Yes. I'm not real. I'm just like you. You don't exist in this society. If you did, your people wouldn't be seeking equal rights. You're not real. If you were, you'd have some status among the nations of the world. So we're both myths. I do not come to you as a reality. I come to you as the myth, because that's what black people are, myths. I came from a dream that the black man dreamed long ago. I'm actually a present sent to you by your ancestors. I'm going to be here till I pick out certain one of you to take back with me. What if we won't come? You going to make us come? Then I'm going to have to do you like they did you in Africa, chain you up, take you with me. Are there any whiteys up there? They're walking there today. She's right? She told right. They take frequent trips to the moon. I notice none of you have been invited. How do you think you're going to exist? The year 2000 is right around the corner. What's that crystal thing in your hand?